prayer this morning that we would surrender our hearts, we would surrender our lives, we would surrender everything we have to you. We know you are our creator. You created us for a relationship with you. And so we pray this morning as we open up your word together that you would help us to know you more. Not just know about you more, but to know you more personally. In Christ's holy name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. Well, good morning, everyone. Once again, good morning, everybody watching online. We are continuing in our sermon series on Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And if you weren't here last week, Howard Porter gave a great message on worry, and I encourage you to go download the app, listen to it, get on the podcast, the YouTube archive. Uh, If you were here, don't you agree, didn't he do an awesome job? He did an awesome job. Grateful for him. And this morning, we're going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount together. And as we do, I want to invite you uh, for just a minute. We're not going to do anything weird here, but I want to invite you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And I want you to just try and kind of get a, a mental image of God in your mind. Try to picture God for a moment. Some of you might have a very clear image in your mind. Others of you, maybe it's just an impression or maybe some words are, are coming to mind. Try and picture God and you can breathe in. Maybe this is the only deep breath you'll get today and breathe out. And you can open your eyes now. And I want you to do that because I, I believe this quote from A.W. Tozer, a famous preacher and theologian, is true, that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that. Our image of God that we have in our minds, it affects how we see ourselves, it affects how we relate to our neighbors, those around us, it impacts obviously our relationship with God and how we interact with God. How we view God impacts how we live, and I would say it also impacts how we pray. And that's specifically what I want to talk about with you this morning, because I also believe that, we'll put it on the screen here, our picture of God shapes our prayers. Okay, our picture of God shapes our prayers. Just think about that this morning. Right now, there are people who are, who are still sleeping on Sunday morning, and they sleep in every Sunday morning. There are people at Miller's Ale House getting going early, right? There are people in our community who, who don't pray. There are people in our country who've never given a second thought to prayer. There are millions of people all over the world who never pray, and I think one large reason they don't pray is because of their picture of God. They don't actually even believe God exists. So why would they pray? What, what, what a time waster that would be to pray to a God when they don't believe God exists. Other people, their image of God, and maybe this is some of you, is, is okay, God, God is out there, but God is, you know, kind of set things in motion and isn't really interested, doesn't really care about things going on in the world right now. And so if that's your image of God, you, you probably don't really pray to God too much, right? You probably maybe think, okay, God, you might pray sporadically or unspecifically, but you, you think, well, God doesn't really care about all of us down here, so I'm not really going to talk with God or listen with God, which is what what prayer is. Or maybe you believe that God cares about everything, but God isn't 
powerful enough to do anything about stuff going on in our world, and so maybe your prayers reflect that, and you don't really ask God for anything or to do anything because you don't really think he's able, or maybe this one hits closer to home, especially if you grew up, you know, maybe in in church culture in different places, like maybe your image of God is this angry old man sitting up in the sky, and he's always just kind of like wagging his finger at you and disappointed in you. He's kind of angry at you all the time because of your sin. And so because of that, you, you have this feeling, you know what? I, I, like, I can't go to God in prayer because God's angry at me. I don't want to face God's anger. God wants me to get my life cleaned up before I come to him in prayer. And so therefore what happens, you don't ever really pray because you're kind of afraid of God because that's the picture of God you have in your mind. Maybe for some of you this morning, you didn't have a picture, but maybe you had words, maybe a word like holy, because we worship a holy God. But maybe your view of God's holiness makes you feel kind of unworthy and like, like God's unapproachable, or you have to have the right words or the exact kind of phrasing, or you know, if you don't pray correctly, something bad's going to happen. I think for me, for many years of my life, I, I just felt like God was disappointed in me. Like God was disappointed, you know, I, I wasn't further along spiritually. God was just kind of disappointed that I hadn't led more people to Christ or made a bigger impact, that God was just kind of disappointed in my life. And so when that was my image of God, guess what happened? I didn't draw near to God. Instead, out of kind of shame and wanting to avoid God, I, I would instead pull back away from God. Our picture of God shapes our prayers. And Jesus, God himself, God in the flesh, walking this earth, Jesus knew this. And so throughout his ministry and through his teachings, he was constantly trying to reshape people's pictures, people's images, people's conceptions of God. And this morning, in a small little section in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see Jesus doing that. Jesus trying to paint for people A different picture. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, looking at verses 7 through 11 together. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open it up or the Bible app or anything like that. Beginning in verse 7, hear these words from Jesus. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And then Jesus says this. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So here Jesus is saying to his disciples then and his disciples now, he's saying, God is your heavenly Father. You are his beloved children, and he wants to give you good gifts. All right, let me say that again, because it's a very basic truth. God is our heavenly father, you are his beloved children, and he wants to give you good gifts. And he tells us this by this this very short parable of contrast. He, He says, look, he acknowledges that parents in this world, parents, you and me, 
Even if you're not a parent, he says, look, we are sinful people, right? We've already outlined a lot of different sins he addresses in the Sermon on the Mount. We lust. We get angry at people. We hate our brothers and sisters. We don't love God fully. He says, he says look, parents in this world, that they're sinful. They continually sin. And yet, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, some of the sorriest parents in our world, some of the sorriest parents, you know what, they're not around very much, but when it comes Christmas or it comes a birthday and they show back up in their kids' lives, what do they bring with them? They bring a gift. Jesus is saying, look, parents in this world, even no matter how messed up they are, a lot of times, look, they will still give their kids good gifts even though they are sinful. And he says, how much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts? Your heavenly father who is good and who is righteous. And he also acknowledges this, that that in our world, if your child asks you for something essential, something they need, like bread, something to eat, something to drink, he says, are you gonna give them a stone? If they ask you for for something they need, are you gonna give them a snake, something harmful for them? No. He, He says, no, no, even though We are sinners. We want to give good gifts to our earthly children. And so there's these three important words here in this section. How much more, Jesus says, will your heavenly Father give you good gifts? How much more will our heavenly Father who is holy, who is righteous, who is the definition of goodness, how much more will he give good gifts into the lives of of his children. And as he paints this picture of our heavenly Father who loves us and who wants to give us good gifts, he pairs it with a promise. Verse 7, I'll read it again. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. He's telling us here with this picture of our heavenly Father. In our minds, our Heavenly Father who wants to give us good gifts, He says, Ask, seek, knock, and God will answer you. We, we get this, this image here with, with this repetition of Jesus saying, Look, come boldly, come continually. Come expectantly, come again and again to your heavenly father because he wants to give you good gifts. And now Jesus back then, and I think today, he's speaking to people who who were doubters. People who, who, who say, you know what, maybe God cares about us, I'm not really sure, but I don't know that God can really do anything about my issues. He's speaking to doubters. He's speaking to people full of despair, like people in our culture today. People who look around at the world and say, what is going on? Like, there is no hope for us. He's speaking to people like that, people like you and me. He's speaking to people who are discouraged because they believe the lie of our culture that if it's meant to be, it's up to me and we need to try harder and we need to work harder and we've done all that and we, we still failed and we still come up short and our problems are still huge. Jesus is speaking to people who are doubtful, who are discouraged, who are full of despair, and he's giving them hope. He's saying, ask, seek, Knock, come to your heavenly father because he wants to give you good gifts. You are his children. With these three words, with this this repetition, there's like a growing intensity. And we see the words again and again. and, And so we get this idea that we need to come persistently to God in prayer. We need to come persistently. And it actually reminded me this week of another parable Jesus tells 
about prayer. Another parable of contrast. Luke chapter 18, Jesus says this. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time the judge refused. But finally he said to himself, you know what, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and that they get justice quickly. Now, on the surface, one interpretation of that parable is that God is like the judge and we are like the widow. That, that, that God isn't really interested in us and in our lives. He's not really fair. He's unjust. And maybe we're like the widows. We are lonely in this world and we don't have people to rely on and we lack standing with the judge. We don't even know the judge. But, but if we, like the widow, just come and complain and knock on God's door long enough, finally he'll relent like the judge in this parable and say, you know what? I don't really care about you, but because you just keep asking me and pestering me, I'll do what you want. That's one interpretation of the parable. I think it's a bad interpretation. I think it's a bad interpretation because I think Jesus here once again is telling a parable in contrasts. He's telling us that we are not like the widow and God is not like the judge. God is not an unjust judge who doesn't fear God. God is holy. God is righteous. God is loving. God is our heavenly father who has love for his, his children. He's saying we are not like the widow. We aren't left alone in this world to figure out things for ourselves. We don't lack a relationship with the one whom we're asking for things from. We are not like the widow. We are his children and he wants to give us good gifts. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, look, if an unjust judge will give this widow, someone he doesn't even know, what she wants because she keeps asking, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to you, his children? See, Jesus is telling us here to ask, to seek, to knock, to come before God. And bring our very request to him because he loves us, he cares for us, he wants to give us good gifts. And also because God, our Heavenly Father, he is all-powerful. He has the ability to do things about our problems. So we'll do a little, little uh, Bible trivia here. Do you remember what the angel Gabriel said to Mary, the Virgin Mary, when, when Gabriel came to her and said, Hey, you are going to be the mother of Jesus, the Savior of this world and Mary looked at Gabriel and was like, what? I don't know how this is going to work. Do you remember what, what the angel Gabriel said to Mary? Nothing is impossible with God. Do you know what the Israelites experienced when Moses led them out of slavery in Egypt and out of captivity after so many years? Do you know what they experienced after they were out of Egypt? They experienced that nothing is impossible with God. 
Do you know what the disciples found true? The disciples, the people who were sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to this teaching, giving their very lives to him, they were kneeling in worship of him. Do you know what they found to be true in the very depths of their being after the one that they had followed, the one that they had given their lives to, was crucified, was dead and buried, but on the third day he rose again in victory over sin and death? Do you know what they experienced? They experienced that nothing is impossible with God. Will you say that with me? Nothing is impossible with God. And the early church, these disciples who walked with Jesus, who listened to this teaching about prayer from Jesus, when when they experienced the resurrection power and that nothing was impossible from God, they began praying in their early days. They began praying for healing. They began praying for the Holy Spirit to fill people and transform people. They began praying for the Holy Spirit to open up doors of opportunity for them to go and minister all over the world. And as they prayed, God heard their prayers, God answered their prayers, and they found these teachings of Jesus to be true. And Jesus' teachings didn't stop being true 2,000 years ago. God's power isn't done. It's not over. God is able. He is willing. He wants to work in our lives and in our world today. So Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. And this morning, I don't know what, what, what your problems are. I don't know the burdens you're carrying. I don't know what, what drew you here this morning. Maybe it's because it's a habit. Maybe, maybe you woke up and you said, I need hope this morning. Maybe you need healing. I, I don't know exactly what your needs are this morning, but I know this. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, my heavenly Father, and bring your request to us. Because you have a heavenly Father who loves you, who wants to hear from you, and who wants to work in your life. And so in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he says just before this, he says, look, when you come to God in prayer, you don't have to have all these fancy words. You don't have to say certain things or beg him to listen to you. He knows what you're gonna pray even before you pray it. But he wants to hear from you because you are his children. He wants to talk with you. Jesus, he, he tells us what to pray for. He tells us what to ask for what to seek. In the model prayer he gives us right before this, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, ask that, that God's kingdom in heaven might, might come here to earth. He says, seek daily bread, seek material provision, seek your needs from God. He says, knock, knock on the gates of heaven for forgiveness and forgiveness will be given to you for your sins. You will be delivered from evil and the evil one. He, he says, do all of these things. And, and I think sometimes, and I know this is a, a temptation for some of us, we, we think, you know what, I don't want to pray big, I don't want to pray bold, because I don't know if it's exactly in alignment with God's will or not, or I don't know if this is correct or not. I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. And that, that can be a challenge, but I love what the theologian N.T. Wright says. He said this. He says, for most of us, the problem isn't that we are too eager to ask for the wrong things. The problem is that we're not eager enough to ask for the right things. Because here's the thing. God is loving and he is also all wise. And so if you ask him for a snake, something that's going to be harmful for you to, he's not going to give you a snake. So, so you don't have to worry about asking for the wrong things. Instead, eagerly ask for the right things. And so this morning, if you need hope, ask. 
If you need encouragement, seek God's face. If you need healing, knock. If, if you need humility, say, God, I, I need you to humble me. If you need friendship, pray for friends. If you need, I don't know what you need. But I know this. God wants to meet your needs. He wants you to ask. He wants you to seek. He wants you to knock. Jesus here is giving us this picture of God as our heavenly father. And he's pairing it with this promise. And he is saying, come. Come, don't be afraid. Don't feel like you're gonna, you're gonna mess up. Come. Talk with God, your heavenly father. He wants to hear from you and he wants to give you good gifts. And so this morning, we're gonna open up a little, a little time and space for you to come and for you to ask and seek and knock to lay your prayer requests and petitions before God. Maybe they're for you personally. Maybe they're for, for people in your life. And, and we, have a, we have some little cards up here. We have some little cards up here because I'm gonna invite you I'm gonna invite you this morning to come forward if you're, if you're willing and able to kneel here. I've been at camp meeting all week and at each service the pastors invite people to come to the altar and pray. I don't know if you grew up in a church like that. I'm gonna invite you to, to come. This is our little altar space and this space isn't more holy than the space in your seats, but, but something spiritually happens when we physically come before God and kneel to him and put ourselves in that posture of prayer. I believe something spiritually happens. We become more aware of God's presence in our lives. And we have these little cards up here that say, ask, seek, and knock. They have these three words of, of Jesus these are pretty nice. These are like letterpress cards. These were kind of expensive. And we invite you to take one. I think we have enough, at least for every family, maybe for every person this morning. We invite you to take one, and we have some pins up here. And what I found helpful when, when I'm praying, especially praying for, for clear and specific things, I, I found it helpful to write them down, to write them down and say, today, God, I'm asking and I'm seeking and knocking for this. That way, when God answers you, you, you have a little record of it. And so I invite you to write on the back of this card, what you're praying for this morning. And then to take the card and put it somewhere that you'll see, that you'll remember as a little reminder that Jesus wants to hear from you. Not just in desperate times, but every day. He wants you to ask. He wants you to seek. He wants you to knock. So we're going to invite you in just a moment to come forward and kneel and, and pray. And the band's going to play some instrumental music and we'll move into our final song together. But we have these cards because a few years ago, um, I asked Emily, I said, I want a letterpress card that says ask, seek, and knock. I said, I want that as a gift. And she couldn't buy just one. She had to buy a pack of 100. So these are the extras that I've had at my house for years. And this week I thought, well, hey, you know what? Let's, let me give these away to other people so that they can be blessed by them as well. And I asked her for this card. It was during a season of life I was praying about a big life decision, about divine direction in my life. And I, I was going around, I was talking to all these people, you know, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? And finally, I was talking to one of my friends, a friend named Daniel, and he said, Jonathan, I know you're like talking to everybody, asking them for their wisdom and help, but like, have you talked to God much about this? And I thought, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. He's another pastor, you know, he had to tell me, set me straight. 
And he said, Jonathan, I think you need to ask. He said, you need to seek. You need to knock. And, and so I began, I began to pray. And one of my friends, another pastor, he knew I was praying about some of this stuff. And he, he prays big and bold prayers, bolder than me, but I encourage you to pray big and bold prayers this morning. He said, you know, Jonathan, I'm praying right now that in the next 24 hours, God sends a rainbow into your life to show you that he loves you and that you're headed in the right direction. So for the next 24 hours, I was like, you know, looking everywhere. I was looking everywhere for rainbows. And, you know, I, I hadn't seen one. And then it was about hour 24. I find myself in the midst of multiple rainbows all around me. And I was reminded, God is my heavenly father. He loves me. And he wants to give his children good gifts. And God gave me the gift of guidance in that season. And so this morning, once again, I don't know what's on your heart, but I invite you to come forward. I invite you to kneel. You can pray as long as you want. If we have to like end the service and send everybody away and you are up here still praying, that's fine. But I invite you to come, pray, write your prayer requests if you'd like. Ask, seek, and knock this morning. So I want to invite the band up and as we enter into a time of prayer together, I want to share with you this verse from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to read it in the King James because I, I like the way it's phrased here. We read this. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So this morning, that's my hope for you. I invite you to come. I invite you to pray. Bring your petitions before our Heavenly Father. Thank mm-hmm. you.